Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Jeff Carroll. And I'm Brennan Berry. This is... And we are... The the Soccer Soccer Fanatics. Hey guys, it is good to be back. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We know it's been a while since our last episode, but we really appreciate you guys. If you're a first-time listener or if you listened to us before, we just really appreciate just anyone who's willing to take the time to listen and just hear us as we as we do the things that we love. A lot of things have changed since the last time that we talked to you. You know, the Bundesliga has been going for a little bit, and that's something that we we're super happy about and we've been watching tons of games what we're not as familiar with so we didn't really feel we were qualified to cover that in our podcast and so that's why we kind of left it be but now this week last week and this upcoming week things are kind of coming back together we got La Liga, Serie A, Copa Italia and the most important thing for us because it's what we planned to cover in the first place was the Premier League is it's back today right now in less than two hours we are so stoked. Brennan, how excited are you to have English soccer back in your life? Dude, I can't even express to you how excited I am. Man, I've been waiting for Liverpool to play since I feel like I was two. Literally I, just so that they could get the title. Not that we didn't already know that they were going to get it, right. but literally just so that they can seal it. No, that, that's my favorite team. I'm just so excited for all the teams, honestly. It's going to be such a wild ending, I think. I mean, we even the, in the Bundesliga, it's been kind of wild. I yeah, think, I think in all some, the leagues, it's going to be like that. Yeah, it'll be really, really interesting to see how people do if they're right up to speed. If it takes a while for them to adjust, um, yeah, we'll just see what happens. I know we're also still excited, just still waiting on MLS and the NWSL as well. Right. MLS will start their special kind of tournament thing uh, in July, and the NWSL actually starts their tournament next week next Saturday, and so I'm super excited for that. Um, But for now, like we were talking about, let's just focus on the Premier League. It starts today, and let's just get right into it. So let's let's talk about the table. Let's talk about how we think the final table is kinda gonna look. Um, We're gonna focus mostly on the Champions League and Europa League spots, and then relegation, and then we'll kinda mention the people in the middle, but we're more focusing on like what positions actually matter. So, Brennan, we both agree. Who's going to be in first at the end of the season? Oh, absolutely, Liverpool. Liverpool needs to win two more games. Yeah, that's they it. need to win two out of nine to clinch the title. And honestly, if Liverpool doesn't do that, it's a shame. They, they, they've absolutely wrecked this season. Um, I, I do think that they're going to have some tough games coming up. Man City is a big game that's coming up. Um, but I do think that Liverpool has a chance to just win as many as, if not all, of the games. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they win the next two, if they just let some of the younger guys play. Um, so they may they may not win every game, but I think they'll definitely field their strongest side until they get locked the title in. I mean, honestly, let's say Liverpool wins the two games. They really should play those younger guys, yeah. Because if they can develop a system where they, even the younger guys can come in and just go right into the system and not struggle, man, Liverpool is going to be a force to to fight against for quite some time. Yeah, and they have a lot of good youth players, so it it would be good to give them that experience. It'll also be good for them to 
use uh, Minamino because he hasn't played a ton since his transfer from Salzburg. Right. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to bring to the table if that signing is going to work out or not. Um, but already, already some differences for second place. Uh, I have Manchester City, and you have Leicester. So let's let's talk about that. Um, for me, with Manchester City, it's just so interesting. So if you don't know, Manchester City had some money things that they did wrong. I don't know all the technical details. Um, laundry, whatever it could be. Yeah, laundering, fraud, something along those lines. Yeah. But so they've been banned from the Champions League for two years. Yep, yeah, two, two years. years. Um, and so, and there's been talk about, you know, could they get relegated? Could they be stripped of their title? So on and so forth. And so it'll just be really interesting to see if they are able to still play hard and strong. Like, will they still be motivated? Or are they kind of like upset about it and they're just going to kind of not have a lot of motivation to play. So that's where it's it can be kind of, t- kind of tough to know how they're going to do. Um, they don't have – they only have three games against top top half of the table uh, teams. They have at home to Liverpool. I mean, that game honestly doesn't matter much right. because, you know, they could win, they could lose. I mean, it's the top-ranked team. Uh, at home to ninth-ranked Arsenal, I believe that they'll win that game. And a way to fourth rank Chelsea. That game will be interesting. Right. Um, and then you got Leicester, who have a tougher schedule, but I feel like their morale is probably pretty high. I mean, Jamie Vardy's currently leading the league in goals. Um, so I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because currently Manchester City is in second with fifty seven points, and Leicester City is in third with 53. Manchester City does have a game in hand. They play today against Arsenal. It's going to be a great game. Um, but it'll be really interesting just to see what kind of mentality Manchester City has as they're playing. It, I think a lot of their mentality is going to come back if they have players that were injured come back. I think a lot of these teams that we'll, we'll see in the Premier League, they have their players come back coming back. And that being said, Leicester City actually lost Jamie Vardy. I mean, Jamie, sorry, Jamie Vardy, right before the break. That's true. Um, Jamie Vardy's back. He's healthy. He's ready to go. I do think that if he can connect with his attack, man, Vardy's. There's no way that Leicester City just won't wreak havoc. Even though they're playing fourth ranked Chelsea, fifth ranked Man U, seventh ranked Sheffield. And eighth, eighth rate Tottenham and ninth rate Arsenal. It's literally just boom, 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 right there in the top of the table. All these teams are vying for spots in both the Champions League or the Europa League, especially since Man City is out for the next two years. Those um, that seven seed spot is going to be something to fight for, and I do think Leicester City is just going to take advantage of all the teams really. And Man City, I do think seeing them going down to third would kind of give a little bit of a vindication as well for a lot of teams, just being that they are kind of struggling with the financial issues. And I don't think Man City really deserves to even be number two, in my opinion. Um, but Well, it's been a weird season for them, too, because they're in second for a reason, but nobody's right. nobody's had an outrageous season. Like right. People have had good seasons, right. but there's been nobody that's like 
been super just like incredible. Where it's like, oh, this is their best season. Like even Kevin De Bruyne, who's played really well this season, you know, his numbers aren't what they were last year, and he's been injured. Yeah. So I think Man City's been obviously having a lot of bad luck, but I know there's that whole Man City Man U rivalry within you, anyways. But yeah, I, I'm I do. Not mad about it. <laughs> I I honestly wouldn't be very mad about it either, especially since Liverpool only lost by a point last year. Yeah, that was. And wasn't their only loss to Man City? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It, that that game determined everything in the end, but. Liverpool's got it. Man City, Leicester City, who knows? It could switch between those two. Yeah. What do you have for fourth, though? So, fourth, I... This is also tough because you talk about coming back from injury. So, fourth, I have Manchester United. Um, the notable games they have in the top ten. At home to seventh-ranked Sheffield and away at third-ranked Le- Leicester and eighth-ranked Tottenham. That Tottenham game is on Friday. Um, so, I'm really excited for that, to have that be the first Manchester United game back. Um, it's so you mentioned injury return. So Paul Pogba's back. Manchester United's success for the end of the season is going to come almost completely on two things. One, can Marcus Rashford pick up where he left off when he got injured right. with his scoring? Because he's still the team's leading scorer, and he was out for a number of months before the season was put on hold. Is he fully healthy, ready to go, or is he... I don't know fully healthy. It's hard It's hard to say right. because, I mean, they talk about sometimes availability, but not about where exactly their health is uh, to the public. So as far as I know, he's cleared to play. He's played, um, he's played in the friendlies, but where his health is exactly at, I'm not quite sure. Um, that's some pretty big news though yeah but to have him back um, that'll be good and the second thing and I think arguably more important can Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes work together right um, they played in a friendly together a couple days ago they lost to West Brom um, but you know just like they say with preseason like preseason doesn't count friendlies before the restart doesn't count it'll just be interesting to see if they can work together because um, What's going to have to happen is that Bruno Fernandes will kind of take over that 10 role and push Pogba back a little bit more to an 8. Right. And we'll just have to see if Pogba can work with that. I stand by things that I've said in the past. Pogba's a really good player. He just has to do it, and he has to have a good attitude. Yeah, he's he's one of those players that, honestly, he could wreak havoc if he wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> and lately, and he has in the past. I mean, right. the Manchester Derby last year, I mean, he had two goals in like just a few minutes to to put them to put them level. And I right. remember that game. It was just so impressive. And so he can turn it on. It's just a matter of if he decides to turn it on. Hopefully he does. But if he doesn't, the reality is in my opinion I think Chelsea's going to keep that fourth spot. Yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea's is tough. It's it's a tough thing to gauge because right now they are in fourth. Chelsea's mm-hmm. in as of the table right now. Chelsea's in fourth with forty eight points, and Manchester United is in fifth with forty five. So really close, really tight, close goal differential as well. Plus twelve for Chelsea, plus fourteen for Manchester United. My one argument with Chelsea is they just have a tough. They have a remaining really schedule. schedule at yeah. home to second-ranked Man City, at home to sixth 
sixth-ranked Wolves, away at first-ranked Liverpool, away at third-ranked Leicester, away at seventh-ranked Sheffield. That's a pretty tough remaining schedule. It is, and I, part of that as well is if we pay attention to Chelsea's, I guess, another preseason right before they came back, they were hammering teams. Yeah, they did do really well. There, there were a couple games. They were winning seven, eight, one, zero. It, it's they're going crazy right now. Well, and their morale is really high just because of things happening during the break. Obviously, there's a huge link to Timo Werner. Right. We'll see if that pans out. Um, obviously, Ziyech is coming soon. He'll come during the off season. Uh, there's been talk about Sancho. There's been right. talk about a lot of big names. And so I feel like they have a very good energy about them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kept their fourth spot. But they do have a tough remaining schedule. So I have them I have them still in fifth. But you actually – so I had switched Man United and Chelsea. I have Man U in fourth and Chelsea in fifth. You don't even have Man U in fifth. No. So – the reason being on that is because of the this even before the break, Menu started to struggle a little bit, and if if they can get Bruno Fernandez and Pogba to work together, then no, they absolutely deserve to go to the fourth. If they can't, I, I just it's hard for me to see Chelsea or even the Wolves. I I do think. Um, the Wolves will be above Man- Manchester United because yeah. I have I have Chelsea in fourth, Wolves in fifth, and actually Man United in sixth. Yeah, well, and of course I'm pulling for them to be in fifth at minimum because I want I want that Champions League spot. Right. I do not want to have to play in the Europa League next year. That'd be awful. Well, something to think about as well is obviously we it wouldn't be end all be all if they get into the Europa League for the Wolves. Either one's going to be incredible. Yeah. And if they could get into the Champions League, holy cow. Well, and they kind of have nothing to lose. Right. Um, so there's really, there's no reason to play with any fear. And Wolves have a fairly, fairly easy remaining schedule. Their only top half of the table games are at home to ninth-ranked Arsenal, which I expect them to win. Away at fourth-ranked Chelsea, away at seventh-ranked Sheffield. Um, so to only have three games against top half teams when other teams have five or six. Right. I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would like Manchester United to stay in the Champions League spot, but I wouldn't be surprised if Wolves were able to succeed. Right. Um, well, and something to think about as well is Traore has been linked to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. If they can get to a Champions League spot, will he stay with Wolves or will he leave? And, and I think that depends on what happens with Mane. Right, and that also depends on there as well. But that it would be very interesting to see a couple of things. If he decides to leave, what will his value be now? Because if he gets into the Champions League, I guarantee you his value will go up. Um, but if they don't, then and he still wants to leave, Liverpool can get him for cheaper. It's and true. have a super solid winger or striker, whatever they want to play in that. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see exactly what Liverpool look like next season just because there's been so much talk about them selling certain players just because they have been doing so well. Um, right. But we'll we'll see. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I have I have Wolves in six holding down that Europa League spot. Um, Which would be good no matter what. Yeah, I mean, they'll be happy with it no matter what. Yeah. Um, 
Seventh is interesting. It's it breaks my heart because I would love so we both have Tottenham and seventh, um, keeping that that last Europa League spot. Right. It's it's t- it's kind of a tough gauge because honestly, I mean, I stand by this, and I think you agree with me. Firing Pochettino was a terrible, yeah, terrible that decision. Was a horrible decision. It didn't work. I'm sorry, Mourinho has not been what he used to be. He wasn't what he used to be with Manchester United when they signed him, and with Tottenham, it's been the same thing. Uh, having Kane back from injury, I think it's going to be really big for them. Hopefully, that'll be enough to propel them. But we will see. I'm not really sure what to expect from them. But I also really would love to see Sheffield have that last spot just to play in the just to play in the Europa League. Because the thing is, is that Sheffield is not. I mean, they just came up from the second division, the championship this season, and they're already contending for the Europa League. Whereas the other two teams, <laughs> Aston Villa and Norwich, yeah. are currently battling relegation. And so just to have that kind of Cinderella story of, you know, they're back up in their first season they qualify for the Europa League, that would just be super cool. And we were talking about this earlier that Sheffield, you know, they don't have any amazing, super well-known talent. They're not flashy. They just grind. They just go to right. work. Right. And I, I, I do think there's a couple interesting things on here. Tottenham and Sheffield... They're both teams that have kind of been up and down um, multiple times. Now, if we look at Sheffield, right now they are in that Europa League spot. And they have a game in hand. Right. So there is a possibility. I think they have a very high possibility of still stealing that from Tottenham. But if Harry Kane comes out strong, which usually he is, I, I, I don't particularly... Love Harry Kane, but the fact is, I'll make sure is, not to tell my brother in law. <laughs> he is a strong, strong striker. Like he, if he can play that true number nine or even play a false nine, he's good at both. Yeah, and he, and if if he and if if he and Son can go right. out together, and especially since Son is now back from his training, yeah, with the military, um, he he's those two. I I can't see a reason why Tottenham wouldn't play well. Unless for some reason, Mourinho is yeah, stupid. It's just Mourinho's and, tactics, I think, right. is key there. I don't doubt the players. Um, it'll just be interesting to see Mourinho-wise and tactical-wise what exactly happens. Right. But, yeah, that 7th and 8th spot between Tottenham and Sheffield, I mean, I mean, some of the stuff is going to come down to the wire. Oh, I think almost the whole top of half of the table is going to. I think I think it's going to be a big fight until the very last game. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how everything shapes out. Um, I still have actually, no, you have Arsenal in ninth, and they're currently in ninth. I have them bumped down to tenth. Hmm. Um, I have Burnley in ninth. They're currently in tenth. Burnley's interesting because I feel like they can silently play really well sometimes. <laughs> like again they're not a, like they have players who can make it happen it's just about consistency but the reason I have Burnley in ninth and Arsenal in 10th Burnley only have four games against top half opponents um, remaining in their schedule Arsenal have at home to first rank Liverpool at home to third rank Leicester 
away at 2nd ranked Meg City, 6th ranked Wolves, 7th ranked Sheffield, and 8th ranked Tottenham. Like, I think they probably have arguably up there with Chelsea, like the hardest remaining schedule. Yeah, and I do think that that's going to be a big role in how they perform. Because I think if Aubameyang doesn't come out strong, which he has been strong all season. And he's been strong all season, and they're still still struggling, having a rough time. The thing is with Burnley, they've even been a little bit more inconsistent than Arsenal. So I, I could see... Either way, I could see Burnley be going up to that 9 and Arsenal dropping down to 10, but I could see Arsenal keeping it because I do think that they're going to be one of those dark horse teams because of the break. They have that rest. They have that um, ability to just kind of recollect themselves. I, I think Arsenal is going to be a force that, honestly, I think that Man City and Arsenal game will be a big determining factor for the rest of the season for Arsenal. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see Again, how teams perform coming right out of the break. Will they be rested and fresh and ready to go, or will they be rusty? Right. And so it's hard to know, you know, are we going to see the Arsenal that we've seen earlier in the season that have been pretty shaky and pretty inconsistent, or are we going to see a refreshed and refurbished and, you know, empowered Arsenal that are just ready to get it going? Right. Um, but so for the middle of the table – I'll just go through who I have just really quickly, just um, just 11 through 17, and then we can talk about relegation real quick. Yeah. So 11th, I have Southampton, four games against top half opponents. In 12th, I have Everton, five games against top half opponents. In 13th, I have Crystal Palace, six games against top half opponents. In 14th, I have Newcastle, five games against top half opponents. In 15th, I have Brighton, Six, game, six games against top half opponents. And 16th, I have Aston Villa actually pulling out of the relegation battle. Um, go Jack Grealish. <laughs> um, six games against top half opponents. And 17th, I have Bournemouth, five games against top half opponents. So that's kind of my middle of the table. Um, again, not too much to talk about there. You know, in some odd scenario, Maybe a team like Southampton or Everton could pull off a miracle and and crawl into a Europa League spot, but it's because it it is tight in the middle of the table. But I I do think that those eleven through seventeen they're not going to change very much. It, see, I actually have a couple shuffled around um, from what you said. Um, I have Everton and Southampton are switched, so I have Everton in eleven, Southampton in twelve. Um, Interestingly enough, I did kind of the same thing with Crystal Palace and Newcastle. I do think Newcastle, they have um, some players that are feeling a little better. And so they'll be able to come out, I think, a little bit stronger. Yeah, my biggest thing with Newcastle, and you're not wrong, like, they do have, they definitely have good players, but they don't score much at all. Um, In comparison to the middle, the rest of the middle of the table, their goal differential is minus 16. It's pretty bad. But then again, also Southampton has a negative 17 goal differential. Right. So I mean, they, they, I think there is a lot of interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's a little happen. stuff that go. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it, and so right. it's it's hard to predict, especially just because it's the restart. Like you know, right. who knows how people are going to be coming out. Right. I do. I do think that Crystal Palace is going to be um, one of those teams that are just kind of like, oh, let's win a few games. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll they'll go. I think they'll go up into 14th, and then uh, I have Brighton staying. 
um, like what you were saying at 15. I actually have Bournemouth coming out of the relegation um, in 16th, and then West Ham in 17th. West Ham, for me, like, West Ham is so polarizing because they look like the team that could contend for the Europa League, and they've just been so disappointing the last couple of years. I agree, yeah. And so... It'll be interesting, but okay. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the last three just for the relegation battle. So we have, we agree with two. So we both have Watford and Norwich uh, in the bottom. Um, you have Watford as last. I have Norwich as last. You have Norwich as nineteenth. I have Watford as nineteenth. Mm-hmm. But we can both kind of agree, just not teams that have been looking good at right. all. I feel like Troy Deeney, the captain for Watford, has been doing a lot of talking. And in my mind, when players do a lot of talking, it means they're not putting a lot of work in. Right. But, Especially since the only loss that Liverpool's had is against Watford. I, that They're all talk. They're not going to walk. If they can walk, that is a different thing. If they can win, fine. But... There was a fluke game. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it, it'd be one thing if Watford were higher up, but right. all the way in the bottom, that's just proof it was a fluke game. Right. It was a fluke game, and Dini just. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's not an, a healthy captain for that team either. Yeah. Um, which I do think is going to hold them down still. Well, and part of the problem is, and this isn't what you could say is necessarily a problem, but he voiced concern about, you know, training and playing because he was worried about the health of his child, which I 100% right. agree with, 100% right. understand. But with that being said, if your captain isn't going to be around, your team's going to suffer. Right. And I don't know, I don't actually know if he's made any official statements about, you know, has he been training? Is he going to play? I don't know. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Right. But But let's talk about that last spot because you and I have – a difference of opinion here. So I have West Ham also being relegated just because they've just been so just generally just disappointing. Um, you have Aston Villa, which they currently are in 19th. So that could, you know, it's, it's not a wrong guess to think that that could happen. So, so something to think about, you look at West Ham, Watford and Bournemouth, they all have the same points. The only thing that's different between them is goal differential. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it would not surprise me if Bournemouth, out of all of them, can pull up. Um, and West Ham would come down to that 17th spot. I think those those three are going to be fighting. And even Aston Villa, I mean, they're only they're at twenty five, so so they're two points behind. And they have a game in hand, right? And they have a game in hand. If you look at the goal differential between all of them, there is a two point, a two goal goal differential between each team. Yeah, it's not that's it's not much. And Aston Villa, I mean, it's one of those things where, again, I expect Jack Grealish to come out swinging, but other people have to too, right? Like it can't just be him. I agree, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everything shapes out in the end. You know, again, it'll depend on are people going to come out strong or going to people going to be coming out kind of tentative and growing back into it. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. But when we come back, we will share our picks for the end of the season award winners. So stay tuned.
All right, everyone, welcome back. We are going to talk right now about our end-of-the-season award predictions. So for each prediction, we're doing a main pick and a runner-up. So, Brennan, let's start with you. Not a hard question, but who is your team of the season? <laughs> honestly, Liverpool. But I could honestly say Sheffield as a backup. It's just two very different stories because Liverpool have only tied once and lost once. They've been absolutely lights out the entire season. Right. But also, like you said, you know, Sheffield is just a different story because they were relegated or sorry, they were in they were in the championship last season. They were promoted and they're the only team not only are they not fighting a relegation battle for the other promoted sides, but they're currently in a in a Europa League spot and they're fighting for a Europa League spot, which is really impressive. Right. I do I do think that Liverpool has some players though that are kind of that MVP caliber though. Um, I'm a little curious. So MVP or player of the season, I think we're kind of both on the same page with this. Yeah, but it'll just be tough. Thoughts? See, the thing is, I I believe it could be any number of Liverpool players. Right. My vote is for Virgil Van Dijk. So just some stats for you. So 21 goals against in the league against Liverpool, which is the lowest. 12 clean sheets for Virgil Van Dijk. He has four goals. He leads the league in passes, almost 500 more than the second highest. He's played every minute this season. He's second in the league in touches, fourth in the league in aerial battles. One, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. I mean, he's and he's their rock. Like honestly, like he holds things down so well in the back, and he's a leader, mm-hmm. and he is good going forward. He can hit a dime of a pass over the top. He's just. I feel like. The goals have been more evenly distributed this season between Mane, Salah, and not so much goal-wise for Mino, but his contribution. Like I feel like the front three have been very even in their production, right? And so it's kind of hard to pick, and so that's kind of why I chose Van Dyke as my as my main guy. Well, and I, I would add as well, Van Dyke, he did not get the Balloon d'Or. She should. He have. deserved it. If he could get Defensive Player of the Year as well as MVP. That would be. I think that would help a lot, honestly. Yeah, it's hard to imagine him not getting player of the season. Right. Although I do have Sadio Mane as an MVP or at least a runner-up. Yeah, he's because, my runner-up as well. Because 14 goals, seven assists, only 29 shots on target, and he's that's all he's had to do to get 14 goals. That's insane. Yeah. He has a almost a fifty percent conversion rate. Yeah, it's a good it's a good on target conversion rate for sure. It's crazy. The fact is, it's hard for me to imagine that it won't go to a Liverpool player. Right. It's just a matter of who. Right. I agree. Okay, Golden Boot. Golden Boot's going to be really interesting just because it is fairly tight at the top. Um, I so Jamie Vardy's currently in first with nineteenth. I still have him winning it. You know, again with the way Leicester played before the break and just knowing, I mean, Jamie Vardy's a machine. He is just an absolute machine. Um, and so I don't really have any reason to not think that he will just keep doing what he's doing. Um, I don't really want to predict amounts. Actually, I thought about it, but I don't really want to just because again, it's just so hard to gauge what people are going to be like coming out of the gates. If they're going to come out strong, if they're going to come out, 
you know, rusty because they haven't played in, you know, three, three months, yeah. four months, yeah, however long it's, it's been. It's been a while. Um, so I do have Jamie Vardy currently holding it. So it's funny because my, my backup pick actually is not somebody who's in second or in third. It's somebody in fifth. So I actually have Danny Ings as my backup pick. He's just been one of those people that, I mean, Southampton are in the middle of the table, and he's still scoring tons of goals. He's done really well with Southampton. He's been a bright spot for them. And so I just feel like he's somebody that, because his team overall is not the greatest, he just finds ways to score goals. And so it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to do that after the restart. Right. I respect that a lot. See, I agree 100% with the Jamie Vardy scenario. I, I honestly... Obviously, I don't want to predict a lot of things, but I do see him having like that 25 or more goal season. I, I really do, um, especially with the trajectory he's been on. It will be interesting, though, to see that race between Aguero and Salah. And Aubameyang um, as well. And even Aubameyang. I, obviously, I do think Aubameyang may still pull it off, even though Arsenal's been struggling. And but, Arsenal just have a tough schedule. Right. That's the big thing. They have a huge tough schedule. Salah and Aguero, they're already... It doesn't matter the schedule. They're insane prolific goal scorers. Yeah. I do think that Salah will pull ahead of Aguero. Yeah. I think just because Aguero's relationship with Guardiola has just not been fantastic. They This season, they've had some arguments. There's been some times where he's been taken off earlier, had to come off the bench, and he has not been happy about it. So, right. yeah, I just don't feel like that relationship is, is quite there this season for him to, to pull in the first. Um, Assist King, we both have the same picks here. This is one thing that will be interesting just given what happens. So my main, uh, my first pick for Assist King is Kevin De Bruyne. Currently leads the league with 16 my backup is Trent Alexander-Arnold, who currently yeah. is in second with 12. The only reason, because I would pick, if assist, like if Siskin was actually an award, I would pick Alexander-Arnold in a heartbeat because right. he's a wingback. Right. And uh, like he is, he's going to be so good. Like he, like he's already so good, but he's going to be exponentially better going forward. Right. Like he's just incredible. The only reason that I don't have him in first is because if. Liverpool clinch the title in two games and they bench him just because they're giving other people a chance to play. Right. And honestly, though, there's not much to replace him with. Uh, they, they don't have a very deep bench when it comes to their defense. You're not wrong about that. So I, I wouldn't imagine them pulling him out even if they try to let other players play. The people that I think would come out are going to be like Henderson or um, Firmino or... Just those kind of things are going to come out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they pull a bunch of people from like the academy team or the lower division teams. Like, it'll just be interesting to see exactly what happens. I agree. Um, we're both also pretty in the same boat coach-wise. I mean, Jurgen Klopp uh, just being, again, Liverpool just with a absolute fire season, just being so dominant the entire season. Um, my backup pick was Frank Lampard just because it, well, two reasons. One, people forget it's his first season coaching with Chelsea. Right. Um, and to already be, I mean, he's in fourth right now. Like that's hard. And people, a lot of people naturally think, 
oh, you were a player, you're going to be a good coach. That, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Okay. Coaching is completely different. And, you know, obviously he's a Chelsea legend. He's their best ever player. But you still have to get used to that coaching. So for him to be coming in his first year and already possibly qualifying for the Champions League, also with the transfer ban that they had, they've been having to run off of a lot of young talent, and that's been really impressive. I think that's the key, honestly, for Lampard. He's been given this team, this raw team, a young team, and he's been able to shape them and Mm -hmm. mold them the way that honestly, the Chelsea system would have. Now, I would dare say, though, I would honestly switch Lampard with Chris Wilder, Sheffield's coach. Which I would not be mad about. Right. Chris, he has done a phenomenal job with Sheffield. They're already vying for that Europa League spot. Honestly, if they didn't have a couple of those flute games, they could even be um, contending for a Champions League spot. It's... For them to come right out of um, promotion and just come out with a bang, that that is a management thing. Yeah, it's not just the players, obviously. Because well, and they don't have. It's not like they have any no. big name players. They're, they're they are a very grinding team, like we talked about earlier. And it's Chris Wilder has used that to his advantage, I think, and has completely shaped that Sheffield system. Well, and that goes perfectly into our next point. Who do we think is going to be the goalie of the season? The the clean sheet leader. So we both have Dean Henderson for right. for Sheffield. Currently, ten clean sheets, which is um, second in the league, only behind eleven from from Nick Pope of Burnley. But right. so ten clean sheets, which is second in the league. Twenty five goals against, which is second in the league. Again, you know, if Sheffield can just keep doing what they're doing, and that's, I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't be his. Um, I also have. Casper Schmeichel is my backup. Also currently 10 clean sheets, 28 goals against, which is the third lowest uh, goals against allowed in the league. Um, Again, Leicester is just, if they come out doing what they did before, then, I mean, Schmeichel, he's just like his dad. He's a great keeper. Um, The one thing that's interesting to not be putting in here is... You know, Allison for Liverpool. You know, Liverpool have conceded the, the fewest goals with only 21. He also has 10 clean sheets. My one argument with Allison is just because he's just been out injured right. for part of the season. No, and I, I respect that. But I, see, with this whole goalie and clean sheet leader, obviously I would want Allison. Liverpool I mean, as would I. I mean, him being a Brazilian, like. Right. I mean, it, it, it's. The reality is he's missed several games. Could he have had more clean sheets? Absolutely. But Dean Henderson, Casper Schmeichel, they, they've been right there at the top with him. They're, they do deserve to, some recognition. And I, I do think no matter what Allison does, if he's even back from injury right now, um, because you would have Adrian playing instead, I do think Dean or Casper should get it. Yeah. And it's and it's also about I guess you could say expectation where it's like no who expected Dean Henderson to come out and be this good and that also goes along with who's going to be defensively <laughs> going to be sound and that that kind of goes into like what are our defenders for the year yeah and this again uh, we both agreed on Van Dyke we already shared the stats right rock solid um, I went back and forth on this 
I have one pick, you have another, but I fully endorse your pick. Um, I have Ricardo Pereira for Leicester City. He's first in the league in tackles and first in the league in last man clearances as well as fourth in the league in touches. Um, Again, Leicester has just been... Leicester had their miracle season and they haven't gone down. That's what's been so impressive because, you know, people talk about miracle stories and they're so great and they're so fun. They're so awesome. and They're so unique. But Leicester's stayed up. Yeah. They have stayed up. They've stayed up. They've stayed up. Even when they struggled. Even when they struggled. Right. And again, it's not like they have the most outrageous people that they've signed. Like they They had Mares, they have Vardy who are, in all reality, at first they were kind of raw. Yeah, no, they were and, raw, and, and now they're contending for and, big spots. And the thing is, is you, you know, you thought, okay, when when Man City signed Mares, you thought that Leicester was going to drop off, and they didn't. Right. You know, they were doing they're just as well, going. you know, just as well as they always had. And so, I mean, Mares's role has kind of been filled a bit by uh, by Harvey Barnes. I mean, six goals, six assists—that's nothing to nothing to shirk at for a young kid. Yeah, um, I agree. So. Yeah, I have uh, Pereira in there. You have Trent Alexander-Arnold. It, yeah, no argument there. And the, th- the reality is it could honestly go to any three of those. They're, they're all three super solid defenders. They've showed up in times where they needed to show up. They've assisted in times that they need to assist. It, it Honestly, they, they are by far, in my opinion, three of the best defenders in the league. Yeah. So, it, it, honestly, it could go to any yeah, of them. Yeah, and I'd be happy either way. Right. Um, Midfielder, so we we agreed on one, we disagreed on the other, but who you have as yours was actually my first pick, so I'm I'm gonna let you go first. Okay. Originally. No, so I I put Jordan Henderson. You put Jordan Hen- Henderson as well. I I do think <laughs> the reality is Jordan Hen- Henderson has been crazy. He has five and he's, and he's been he's grown so much because he's right. gotten so much crap in the past. Right, and I do think that he has just kind of put that leadership role as well on his shoulders and has just driven it. Mm-hmm. And that I think he is a big factor in my opinion for Liverpool success. Yeah. Um, I'd arguably say that behind Van Dyke, he was their best play this season because people oh, want to look at the goals and easy. say, and say Mane and Salah. And I've definitely, I mean, they've both been great, but I would argue that Henderson's been better. Right. No, I a hundred percent agree. If it wasn't for Henderson, that midfield would crash in my opinion. Yeah. Um, now, this is where we differ a little bit. And again, this actually, is who I originally had, and right. I thought about it, and I changed my mind. But see, I you never can go wrong with either pick, though. Yeah. Like I, I put De Bruyne. Yeah. And I, well, De Bruyne. <laughs> However you want to say it. I know there's so many different ways to pronounce it. I say De Bruyne, but I know right. other people say it different ways. I, I'm just, I'm really white and American. So <laughs> I might as well just say it that way. But he has the 16 assists. He He's consistent with that. Yeah. That, and and De Bruyne difference. is one of the best midfielders in the world, period. 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 And it's unfortunate that he is on Man City, honestly, because of the whole situation that's going on. Yeah, he would be one he's... midfielder. I think if things don't shape up, he could leave. Yeah, and if he leaves, he's too good to to yeah. stay there. If, if they if they don't have a lot going for them, I do think that other teams would pay big money. For oh, him. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is a hundred and eighty million plus signing. Oh, easy. Like, yeah, I'd 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 play two hundred plus. 
I like that. That's like honestly, I would respect that. like De Bruyne is so good, and I mean he can score, he can assist, his passing, his work rate. He is he's a complete midfielder. Uh, I agree. So again, he was originally my pick, and I'd be totally fine with that. Um, again, I'm kind of bumping on the Leicester train a bit right now. So <laughs> I had Wilfred and Didi. Uh, tied for second in league in interceptions, tied for, or sorry, not tied for, uh, third in league in tackles. He has just linked really well with his back line. Um, he and uh, Kaglar Soyuncu both have a good relationship. Uh, he's their center back. Um, a D mid, I feel like, is just an underrated position. Yeah, um, no, I agree. And so I kind of want to give it a little bit of love. Indeed, he is just... He's so good, though. Like honestly, it doesn't matter where he is in the midfield, and he's he, all over he people. Would, he's, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. He's, he's just a, such he's, a good he's all and over solid people. player. Yeah, he's he, all over people. There, there's just so certain midfielders that you won't find anywhere else. They're just solid, consistent, and it doesn't even mean that they have to be these flashy players. I mean, obviously, I don't want to go to MLS really, but I do compare. Ndidi a little bit to, to Alonso. Alonso. Yep. No, I, I agree. I, I think Alonso and Ndidi are very similar. They're not super flashy. They don't pop. They don't have the goal or set stats. I mean, right. you're D, you're D mid. You don't have to. But when they score, man, they score in style. Yeah, too. they score in like, style. It, it, they're they're good players. So I 100% respect what you put. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we talked about defenders and midfielders. Let's let's talk about newcomer. I think we there's a couple people that came in. That have done well. It's funny we both agree on our pick for someone that only played a couple games. Right. But I mean, Bruno Fernandez came in. He came in in January, the end of January. And yes, he's only played I think five games for them in Premier League play. But he clearly he fit right in the system. He already started goals, assists. His he just fit right in just like a glove. And I, I want to say that he didn't even just fit into a system. He was a system. Yeah. And they... He was his own system. He was his own system. And they, the players have had to step up. Yeah. And it, he made that step up mentality. He makes the people around him better. He, he is an incredible, incredible midfielder. Even when he plays attack. Oh my gosh. And I was, and I was nervous because, again... There have been so many people in the last seven or so years that have come in and just flopped for Manchester United. Just great players. And sometimes they do well starting off and then they dip off. I'm really hoping Bruno Fernandez isn't like that. I don't think um, he will. And so I think the fact that he was just able to come in and just have such an impact so quickly, mm-hmm. it's hard to give him the award just because he's only played five games. But to come in and just have that quick, much of an impact, just really impressive. I agree. Um, we both agreed on our picks for the top player who switched teams within the Premier League. Uh, both, bless up, Manchester United players. <laughs> uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka from Crystal Palace to Man U and Harry Maguire from Leicester to Man U. Um, both have just been super solid. Harry Maguire has been really good at the back. Aaron Wan-Bissaka has been... He's a really good tackler. He's really good at reading plays i'd argue unpopular opinion i'd argue and say aaron wambasaka's had a better season than harry Maguire. no um, i agree I which harry Maguire did have a bigger price tag and so there was more expectation but they've both done really well right there's really not too many people that you can say have made a bigger impact yeah. than them no i agree um 
Okay, let's go on to our best XL of the year. This is where we get a little bit divisive, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so, goal and defense, I know most of these people we've already talked about, so I'm not really going to go over a whole lot of stats. Um, but my goal in defense, Dean Henderson in goal, Trent Alexander-Arnold as the right back. Again, first in touches, second in assists, third in passes. He's a wingback that's got... Well, the thing is, is I say wingback, but they don't play a five-back like right. Chelsea does. Like right. He's technically still just a right back. Right. He just gets forward like nobody's business. Right. So, yeah. So, Dean Henderson in goal, Trent Alexander-Arnold as right back, Virgil van Dijk and... Kaglar Soyuncu as the center backs. Soyuncu is interesting because he doesn't really pop up like stats wise high up in the numbers, but there's just something about his play that I just feel like he's just a really solid center back. Right. Um, but yeah, so Dean Henderson in goal, Trent Alexander Arnold on the right, Virgil van Dijk and Kaglar Soyuncu in the middle, and Ricardo Pereira on the left. No, I, I 100% respect that. There's actually a couple little differences that I'd put in there. Um, Believe it or not, and we I, had an I, interesting discussion know, about I, this earlier. I, I think, I do think that Adrian deserves to be recognized, and I don't know how to recognize him necessarily. I would, I honestly would put him in the best eleven because I know he's only played a few games because of Allison's injury, but when he has, he has had to show up. And there's now teams from around the world that are honestly looking at him a ton more. And I, I honestly, I don't know how to recognize him. Yeah. I, I think this would be a good thing to recognize in what he's done. Um, yeah, I definitely agree that he definitely stepped up while Allison was out. Right. He did have some howlers, he had a couple, though. A couple um, flukes. And it's one of those things where it's like, like you said, you know, I don't know how to recognize him. It's tough because... Um, he, you know, was only a backup, like, and only played some games. And so it, it, it's, it can be hard to kind of judge that. No, and I don't want to necessarily compare him to all the starters, but I mean, there's some starters I would put Adrian first above them. Um, I, I just, I agree. I, I just can't see some of the other goalies being in there for sure. Now, Interestingly enough, we agree a lot with the defense. I would take uh, Soyuncu, is that how you say it? Yeah. I would take Soyuncu out and actually put Fernandinho in. Yeah, and Fernandinho, what's so impressive with him is that he's not a center back. Right. He's a D-mid. He has to play center played back. as center back. And he, injuries. honestly, now he's not used to it, that's for sure. And he has made mistakes. But the fact but is, he's adjusted really he well. has saved Manchester City's butts. Like, without him playing back there, there's no way, no way in heck that Man City would have survived. And I, I do think that he deserves to be in there as a center back. Yeah, and it's really interesting because that's, you know, you change the discussion where it's like, oh, do we have this pick for a player because they're really good? Right. Or do we have this pick for a player, not that they're not really good, but it's circumstantial in the sense, you know, Adrian, he came in to had to replace Allison right. Big Shoes to step in for Fernandinho. He's not naturally a center back. Right. And so it's always interesting to gauge the why. Because the why of someone like Virgil van Dijk and the why of someone like Fernandinho is completely different. I agree, 100%. That being said, there are some 
interesting thoughts about midfield. And obviously, I have a very weird approach to it. But I do think that you have a very you're logical su- approach You're supporting well. Manchester United. No, I don't have a problem with that. I, I am supporting Manchester United. For all the crap you give me. But it's also, it kind of goes back to what we were saying, the circumstantial things. And so obviously, obviously Kevin De Bruyne, uh, there's no reason for him not being Eight goals, 16 assists. Right. He, he's insane. Henderson, same thing. Yeah. And we I, both agreed we on that. We both agreed on that. Yeah, both agreed on that. Now, where we do differ... I actually put Bruno Fernandes. Which is, uh, again, it's It's another circumstantial thing. But I do think he has made such a big impact in the league alone. Not not just the team, but the league. There's there's teams, I guarantee you, when he's on the field, they're scared. Yeah. And I do think that Bruno Fernandes deserves to be on that best 11, even though he hasn't played... A lot, a lot, but he does deserve that. It'll be interesting to see how he does remaining at the end of the season. Um, I love Bruno Fernandez. I feel like he just hasn't been in quite long enough. Um, I have Wilfred Ndidi in there. Um, again, talked about his stats earlier, and he did. I mean, he's done super well. He's been super rock for, for Leicester. Um, now let's let's go into our forwards, um, and this one we actually kind of unanimously yeah, agreed I, on. I can't. I, I'm just gonna let you share this because I can't agree more. Like, <laughs> okay. So uh, Jamie Vardy currently has 19 goals. He has a 32% conversion rate, 54% on target conversion rate. He also has four assists. That's insane. Uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang with four. Uh, sorry, 17 goals. Um, he has a 26% conversion rate and 63% on-target conversion rate. And Sadio Mane, who has 14 goals and 7 assists, he's got a 23% goal conversion rate and 48% on-target conversion rate. Yeah, those are those are just all insane numbers for every all three of those, which also makes me a little sad because I love Salah. But the reality is those three deserve everything. Yeah, and, and it's always tough with forwards. Um when we go to our bench, so we have you know, our starting 11, then we have seven on the bench to make 18 in total. We only have one difference here. Um, so Schmeichel is our bench goalkeeper, and we talked about his stats. Uh, Andrew Robertson, it's, it's, really, it's really tough because I could argue that he would be starting. Um, yeah, no, I like, agree. I mean, him, him and Pereira both had great seasons, but Andrew Robertson – Third in touches in the league, tied for fourth in assists with seven, I believe. Is it seven, eight? I'm trying to remember. Seven, okay, I was right the first time. Seven assists. So tied for fourth in the league. Again, as a as a left back. Left so third back. in touches, yeah. tied fourth in assists, and fourth in passes. Um, Aaron Juan Basaka on the right side on our bench, second in the league in tackles. Uh, interesting kind of two interesting characters here so jack Grealish, seven goals six assists jack Grealish is interesting just because he's playing for aston villa who again are fighting relegation right and so it's like a question of is he really that good or is he just good because he's the best or does he just look good because he's the best player on his team but he's been also the most consistent player on their team and the fact that he is their best player yeah and manchester united's looking at him which right you know says something there that he's holding that team up yeah um also, I mentioned earlier, but Harvey Barnes for Leicester, six right. goals, six assists. Again, not 
not huge numbers for a winger, but I mean, Harvey Barnes is, I mean, early twenties, you know, he's a, he's a young guy. Um, and Jamie Vardy takes the majority of the goals. So it's not like Barnes has to do a ton. And the fact is Lester brought in James Madison. James Madison was supposed to be their guy and they're behind Vardy and their guy behind Vardy has actually been to the left of Vardy and right. it's been Harvey Barnes. Yeah. Um, and then for strikers, uh, this is the only place that we have uh, differences, but I have Danny Ings, uh, 15 goals, 22% conversion rate, and a 52% conversion rate for on-target shots. And Tammy Abraham, 13 goals, 18% conversion rate for shooting, and 39% on-target conversion rate, uh, three assists. I just really like Tabor, Tammy I, Abraham yeah. because he... He's, I mean, he's still young and he's still learning. You know, he's made some mistakes. He's missed some good chances. I can't, I can't argue with that. But I just, I like, I like his work. I like his mentality. And yeah. for him to come, because he played last season in the championship with Ashton Villa, had 25 goals. And for him to come in and be, you know, shoveling away, I mean, 13, it's not bad. Um, my biggest concern is just where he's going to play into Chelsea's system next year. Right, and that, that's the big thing. Because you obviously have um, Ziyech yeah. and Werner possibly coming. Yeah, Abraham sick. needs to pull up, I guess, or just show up these yeah. next few games. And I do think, I would agree, that if he does, then he yeah, he deserves to be on at least the bench um, for the best eleven. Now, there is a little bit of a difference. I would possibly put Salah in there instead of Abraham. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I wouldn't have much of a problem right. with that. Or, or even possibly Ings. Um, but I'd probably put Abraham yeah, instead. But um, if there was a way, if let's say we don't put Bruno Fernandes in the best 11, then if there's a way that we could put him in that bench, I do think either way he deserves to be in the best 11 or on the bench. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how he finishes the season. Um, so, okay, we're we're almost done. We're getting close to the end. We're just going to give our predictions for the last, um, not the last, the first, first game. <laughs> the first of the last. The first of the last uh, games back from... Uh, Back from the break, um, let's actually just go ahead and, and and do this right now, real quick. So okay. Aston Villa and Sheffield, the first game back, it's going on literally in less than thirty minutes. Who you got? I got Sheffield, as do I. I mean, that's a Europa League person against a relegation battle person. Yep. I don't. I don't think there's any doubt on that one. Man City and Arsenal. <laughs> this is where we differ a little. What do you think? I I said City just because Arsenal have just been struggling so much. See. But, I do think that Arsenal is going to come out with a bang this game. And I do think it's that they have a, a high, high chance of winning. It's going to be a great game either way. I agree. Uh, Norwich and Southampton. I have Norwich. I have Southampton. I expect <laughs> Danny Ings to go off again. Norwich is currently in last place. Um, it's going to be a struggle. you got to let those birds fly, though. they just got to come out and hit them. But Friday, Friday, Friday. Friday, Friday, <laughs> Friday. I am so excited. I should probably... Or probably not, depending on your opinion. Skype my brother-in-law. Uh, <laughs> it's Manu versus Tottenham. I'm a Manu fan. He's a Tottenham right. fan. Um, I have Manu on top just because I'm picking Manu. See, I, I agree. It, but Bruno Fernandez has to be able to show up 
And if and Pogba, Pogba plays, has to be able to work with to him. play. And it's at Tottenham, which is going to be a tough right. game. In Tottenham, though, Harry Kane is back. And that that just says a lot right there. He's back. Yeah, and hopefully that's he'll be able to show up. It's going to be a great game. That's that's our game of the weekend. Right. Um, Watford and Leicester, though. Leicester. Yeah, Leicester's going to be... That's easy. Yeah, not not a hard decision there. Um, and then we get in... Again, we're getting into the weekend, so we have a couple of... Since we had a couple teams that were had a game in hand, they'll have two games this week. So uh, Brighton and Arsenal. I have Arsenal, actually. See, I have Brighton and Arsenal tying just because I feel like Arsenal might be tired from the Man City game. That, that's it also depends on their starting lineup. It that depends is a good if they point. switch a bunch or if they keep it the same. Uh, West Ham and Wolves. There's no doubt. Wolves. <laughs> Wolves are going to take it. Yeah, there, there's no doubt on that. What uh, about Crystal Palace and Bournemouth? Uh, I have a tie just because it's just hard to gauge just because they're both, again, kind of middle to lower the table. Right. Um, I do think Crystal Palace will win that one. Yeah. Uh, it depends, I think it's it be depends on if Wilfred Zaha uh, comes out swinging as well. I, I do think that's going to be a one-goal game. Yeah, it'll be pretty tight. Uh, Newcastle and Sheffield. I put a tie, actually. Yeah, and it, and again, I I I put I put Sheffield, but again, it depends on what people are coming out like. Right. Um, because I mean, obviously, Sheffield will have another game that they're playing yeah, before so Newcastle does. Be tired. Um, Aston Villa, Chelsea. We both have Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea's going to come out strong, and Everton, Liverpool, also Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's but there's some strong some strong games in the first week back that I'm super excited for, but. Okay, so we're almost done. We're going to take a break. But there's one more segment we have. I warned you that we were doing this. I didn't warn you what it is. So we're doing a secret segment because I know that we have different opinions on this. And so I'm really curious to see what you say. So we'll be back for our secret segment in just a minute. All right, so... We've gotten to our secret segment. I know what this is about. Brennan doesn't. Any guesses? <laughs> no, I'm not even going to try. There's <laughs> no way. So I just want to do this just because it's something that just came out yesterday. It's not Premier League related, but the 100-man shortlist for the Golden Boy Award was released yesterday. Um, so the Golden Boy Award is the best player in a calendar year of someone who is 20 years or younger. So they're, they're again, it's a hundred player list. I'm going to give you three names. I don't want you to rank it. And I know this oh, is going to be fun no. because you and I are going to go after it right now. Oh, okay. It's going to be fun. So the names that I'm going to give you are, are you ready? Yep. Are you ready? <laughs> Absolutely. You ready? I'm ready to play. Okay. It. So you got Erling Holland. Okay. Jane Sancho. Okay. And Alfonso Davies. So oh my those gosh. are your three picks. So you got Erling Holland, Jane Sancho, Alfonso Davies. Now, there are other people who have been really good. Right. Sergino Dest. I know you don't like him, but Sergino Dest, Antu Fati, like there's other people who have <laughs> been Fati over Sancho. What? Oh. oh, you gotta be kidding me. Okay, fine. Four then. Four. <laughs> no, we don't Sancho. No, no, no. We could no. If, if that's your opinion, I mean, if you want to look up the whole list, be my guest. Um, but okay, Holland, Sancho, 
Davies, Fatih, which of course three of three of the four is playing in the Bundesliga, which right. is really interesting. Um, now I don't have any stats for you just because it's calendar year, right. which like it's tough to kind of calculate that sometimes. Um, but you've you've watched them all play. You know how they play. So one to four, how do you rank and why? Ah, uh, man. Oh, that's... <laughs> um, this is why I want it to be a secret, because I knew it would be fun. Honestly, Alfonso Davies, number one. Yeah, I... It's it's tough to gauge with Davies, because he's, he's a, he's a defender. difference. And so but... it's like he's not going to have those numbers, but the thing is, he's fit in the Bayern system right. so seamlessly. And they just won the championship. Yeah, they just won yeah. their title. And the thing is, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like... Holland and Sancho have both been incredible, but they've been playing at the top level. Davies just transferred from the MLS, and he fit in just right. He played, I think, four games for the uh, for the Bayern two team. Like he played a couple times for their lower division team, and then he was in. Yeah, it, it was the thing. It was with Davies is. He did not grow up in that European mindset. No, he didn't. He's a Canadian. Yeah. He's by far the best Canadian player as well. Mm-hmm. It would that's the difference between Sancho, Fati, Haaland, that they're all European based players. Yeah. And so I would honestly put Davies up number one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. to a big system. You had to fit into a big system. Again, you didn't grow up like that. It's not like Vancouver was a good team that that he came from either. They weren't, and he held them up. And he was, what, 17? Yeah. And now he's 19, and he's just insane. Now, that being said, though, I do have to put Allen as number two. There's no doubt in my mind about that one. Um, Allen... I, I don't know how to describe it. He's just a beast. He he's he's insane. He's a true number nine. And he, the fact, for instance, who did he play for? Was it Holland? Oh, uh, Salzburg. Uh, no, for the World Cup. Norway. Norway. That's right. Nine goals in one game. Are you kidding me? The U twenty three World Cup. At a U twenty three World Cup, think about that. I can understand that if it's like a U fourteen, but like. I wonder if the coach tried to take him off. He's like, no, no, right. no. I U23. want these goals. That's insane. And he's going and playing with Salzburg or with Dortmund, and he's having the same numbers. Yeah, that's but, the thing. His he ha- from Salzburg to Dortmund. There's been no drop. There's been no drop off. And then you see in this last game he just played in, he scored the winning goal after coming off the bench after being injured. Dortmund needs him. Yeah. And he's just one of those players that is, in a few years, he is going to be ranking in some of the best strikers in the world. Um, I agree with everything you said. I don't have him as my second pick. I know. Are you you're, serious? I know you're not. Do high you have on Sancho? It. I have Sancho, dude. Why? I I honestly, for me, oh Sancho Sancho's still young. He's still learning. But for me, Sancho is already a complete player. Uh, he he can score, he can assist, he can dribble, he can pass, he has speed. 
Oh my gosh, you just made me throw up in my mouth. Like, Sancho, come I on. I know you don't like Sancho, but... Dude, I wouldn't even have him as my third. I'd put Fati over him. It, Good for you. See, no, look. I love Sancho. No, you don't. As... No, you don't. As... Listen, no, you listen, don't. Listen, listen, listen. No, you don't. As, he's lying to you. He's trying to get your sympathy. He doesn't love Sancho. I you love, should hear what he says off camera. I love the stats that he pulls. I do not like him as a person. I don't. I don't think that he is. I think he's overrated. But at the same time, he is pulling some really good numbers, like some of the best numbers in my opinion in Bundesliga. I just wonder if he's one of those players that if he's only going to thrive in the Bundesliga, or if he's going to thrive somewhere else. Guess we'll find out. Because it's hard to imagine he's going to stay at Dortmund after this season. I don't think he will stay at Dortmund. Now, if he goes and thrives somewhere else, oh yeah, I'd easily put him as two or three. But still, it's just I have to watch it a little bit more closely. I guess that's what I'm saying. Fati, he's playing with Barcelona, and he's thriving. He's like what, 17. 16, 17. He, like that's insane. He's young. He's way one of those than Griezmann, right? Sure. He's looking way better than Griezmann. He when he gets the ball, he holds it up. He doesn't need those big stats. He's a hold-up striker. And that's what they need to replace Suarez with. Yeah. And and he's confident. And he's confident. He's ready to go. I do think that he's going to be very, very good. Now, obviously, it is hard to compare him to Sancho because of the number-wise. When it comes to moments, he's had the best moments, in my opinion. But... I, I respect what you're saying. This well. is why I brought it up, because I knew that we'd have fun with it. Yeah. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, honestly, any number of those people would be deserving of it. It'll be no, really I, interesting I to see who it goes to. I do think, if it doesn't go to Alfonso Davies, though, I do think that's going to be kind of a snub, yeah. in my opinion. But, everybody a lot, else. Yeah, a lot of players, a lot of players deserve it. I agree. But, um, both, unfortunately, but maybe fortunately... We have come to the end of our episode. It's unfortunate because we're done talking, but it's fortunate because Premier League starts in like five minutes. <laughs> I'm so excited. We got to get this wrapped up so that we can get our game started. But thank you all so much for tuning in. Again, we appreciate each and every one of you, whether it's your first time or whether you've been with us. Please share it with your friends and family. Anybody you think might like it, any recommendations you have for us, just please, you know, Leave some comments. Let us know. And thanks for thanks for tuning in uh, one more time. I am Jeff Carroll, and I'm Brennan Berry. This is, and we are the, the Soccer, Soccer Fanatics. Fanatics.